Welcome everyone to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. Here we go, y'all. Welcome. Good morning. To the Two Tongues Podcast. Both of us. Both of us in, in the house. Hell yeah. I always say one tongue, the single tongue coming at you, but today I can't nope. because we got a French kissing situation with a couple of tongues in this motherfucker. Dual tongue action. French kiss. I wonder where that expression comes from because I, I don't, the French Probably didn't. Probably France. They didn't invent it, but they might have invented that phrase. Maybe. And they invented it in English so that the English speaking world would start saying it about them. Yeah. You know? You don't think that that was like another country's propaganda? Like those oh. those disgusting frogs, they kiss with their tongues. Yeah, you wouldn't believe how they kiss over there. It's so gross. We eat freedom fries and we kiss with our lips <laughs> here in America. <laughs> we don't eat snails and kiss with our tongues That's like right. savages. Bunch of goddamn... I think we've talked about that on the podcast recently about like the, the hate for the French... Like the un, uh, yeah, yeah. The, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, un, un, unreasonable and, un, for the and, French. Un, and undeserved, especially. Yeah. I, I wonder if I wonder if it's tied to the fact that American history isn't taught the way it was when we were kids anymore. Mm-hmm. And kid, kids aren't taught to be to be you know to think of it as an honor to be a citizen of the country and to take pride in and and the history and and you know all that stuff. That it's not the same anymore. I, do, I wonder if that's connected. Yeah, that's a. Uh, Good question. You saying, well, you saying that just makes me think of, um, like, the idea of, like, how are they taught about the American Revolution in Great Britain, you know? That's an excellent, that's an excellent question. Yeah, and you just, like, how, what do they tell little kids in Russia about the Soviet Union? I, w- I would like to read the history books from Germany mm. pre-Second World War. Um, after the Second World War and today, yeah, and just the same, like the same paragraph about about that period in history or whatever, just to see that what the narrative is and how it's changed. Yep. Well, that's one of my favorite. Um, one of my favorite Dan Carlin episodes is the one that he did called the Celtic Holocaust, and he's talking about Caesar's, you know, little foray into Gaul where mm. he committed a terrible genocide against the uh, the people who lived in modern day France. And uh, he talked about how this lady wrote a translation of it, and people were like, why do we need another translation of that? You know, it's been translated a million times. Mm. Uh, And her reason was that the modern cultural ideas about what happened there are completely different now. And Mm. if you read uh, some of those old translations, you're going to be like, like, like I just called it a genocide. I mean, and those old books, I don't think they talked about it that way. Mm. So my Roman history is... uh sparse i mean i i I, ha- I have like a big picture 
but unless I <coughs> brushed up on it, I'm going to be probably wildly guessing. But all right, so I sort of think like the Hadrian's Wall situation, which is far as far north as the Roman Empire ever got, mm-hmm. you know, at the border of Scotland, let's say, that that was uh, right around the first century. I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. So I, I guess I'm, I'm just trying to place when that would have been. When would the Romans have first been in France fighting with a bunch of Celts? Um, so you're, we're talking Julius Caesar. So, I mean, I want to say that it's like like 95 BC, 100 BC, somewhere in that area. Mm, gotcha. uh, it's definitely BC. All right. Hey, man, this is the modern era. And you got a phone in your, in your pocket. Why don't, yeah. you, why don't we just... Why don't you fact check yourself real quick? And we're about to see how smart is Chris and Kyle really? We're we're talking off the cuff. Nothing. What should I look up? You Julius want, Caesar. You want to look up? I don't know. Um, Roman conquest of Gaul. And see what so, date? Or Julius Caesar? Yeah. Julius you know. Caesar was born the twelfth of July, one hundred BC. Oh my God! So I'm going to pretend like I wasn't surprised just now at the at the accuracy of Kyle's guess, but that was so close, so close, man. Yeah. Awesome. Kyle's, yeah, man. Kyle's a smart guy. I, you know, I, I soak up the facts, um, especially when Dan Carlin gives them to me because he makes them interesting. Yep. Um, yep. But yeah, that, I don't know, that Celtic Holocaust, it's a great episode. You guys should go listen to it. <clears throat> yeah, I, I'm sure I've listened to it unless it was one of those ones that came up after the paywall when, no, if it was a free, if it was a free one at some point, I'm sure I listened to it because Dan Carlin's podcast is amazing. Yeah. I haven't listened to... I don't know, like the last four episodes of it, though. I'm going to have to start paying for that podcast and just be a man because it was so good. Dude, some of the old ones that you have to pay for now uh, are just so good. So good. Like, speaking of Rome, this the series he did, The Death Throes of the Old Republic, mm. just so good, mm. man. Dan Carlin is yeah. fucking great. Yeah, every, everybody's heard, everyone who listens to Rogan has heard about the Mongols mm-hmm. series that he did, which was terrific. And it was the first so one good. I listened to. Yeah, me he, too. He did one on the Reformation. That was amazing. So good. Amazing. That's, that's maybe my favorite one. Prophets of Doom. Yes. So good. Um, he did, and he he did a bunch. He did yeah. a bunch. Um, did he, did he, I think he did one on the Crusades, if I'm not mistaken. He did a bunch of good ones. Yeah. <coughs> All right. What are we doing today, man? I don't know. We're just kind of bullshitting, I think. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, before we jump into it, though, uh, let's catch up. Let's catch up. Uh, what, what's new, man? Um, what is new? Um, nothing really. Okay, one of those. <coughs> yeah, <coughs> excuse me, guys. Nothing much here. Although the family got sick, uh, sick again, and we had uh, we had an interesting experience where uh, uh, we were trick or treating, and mm. uh, and my oldest daughter starts skipping houses on the way home, and she's and she's not acting right, and we're like, you know, what's wrong? And she just throws up, like you would not believe. All over this lady's driveway, this, oh. this older lady who's standing right there, passing out candy. Now there's vomit all over the place. <laughs> it's like her, everything she had in her stomach, man. It was it was gnarly. And that was the first time she ever threw up, and it was public, and it was on. It was, and she wasn't even eating candy. It's not like she was sick from eating candy. She was just sick from a virus or something. Yeah. And uh, I don't know why I started telling you this story. Just what's new? Yeah, that's because the whole because the whole house was sort of sick, like for over like a twenty four hour period. Stomach, stomach, yeah. and um. And uh, both my daughters, <coughs> both my daughters threw up on me. Damn. Yeah. Like literally on you. Literally. Yeah. Like like so much, I had to clean it up with a shop vac. 
So so much to, so much that I was like, what is the appropriate tool for this? A rag? No. What 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 do I have? Like a dustpan or something? It's it's not hardy enough. Shop vac. It was a shop vac situation. I had to go to the garage for tools to clean up this fucking mess. That's crazy. Yep. Kids. And I threw my dirty clothes down the steps in the laundry, and uh, I told my wife about it when she gets home, and she's like, immediately, did you rinse off your clothes? You flung puke everywhere, didn't you? No, I just threw it. I just threw it all down the steps. Um, wasn't my wasn't my finest hour. But listen, man, I was overwhelmed. Sure, you know, and I had I still had to watch the kid. All that was going on. She was sick. Yeah, for Christ's sake. Yeah, it's amazing when when you're stressed, the bad decisions, how they creep in there. You know? Oh yeah, you don't think you don't think things through all the way. Yep. Yeah. 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 Oh, funny. Um. All right. So. You, I asked you to listen to that episode I did yep. on uh, the Baha'i religion. Do you know how to pronounce that, by the way? Did you figure that out? Baha'i? Is that right? Okay. I, that, that's kind of how that's, it sounds to me. That's how I've always heard it pronounced. I've never really looked into it, though. So, Had you ever heard of that before? You I've heard of it. Yeah, I've heard of that religion before. Did you know anybody who belonged to it? No. Okay. No, well, there was there was like a lot don't. of a lot of people from the Middle East that went to your high school. You know what I mean? Like a lot yeah, more than mine. They were all Muslims. Yeah, all of them. Well, no, that's not true. There, were, there was at least one Christian girl who I got in trouble for flirting with. Oh, you got in trouble from the family? No, I got in trouble from other Arab dudes. Like I was, I was lifting weights after school, and these two Arab dudes, Mo and Niall, mm. came up to me, and they were like, and I mean, one on one, I. I still wouldn't have wanted to fight either of them. They were like, uh, they were both wrestlers. They oh. were like, they were like big dudes. Oh, I wouldn't, geez. you know. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I was just like nonchalant. I was like, whatever, you know. And they were like, Dude, any girl with this color skin, like pointing at their arm, like you don't talk to them, which was fucked up because Arab dudes were were talking to white girls, you know. Yeah, that's very fucked up. Yeah, very racist. I know. Nobody dude. ever talks about nope. that. Nope. Nobody ever talk. But but what? Tell me what level of flirting like what merited them confronting you what were you doing it was it you or was it her or it was me i mean it was definitely me <laughs> I, I i think that she may have been like kind of into me a little bit um but obviously not enough for anything to actually happen um because of you know just i guess social pressure mm, interesting but yeah. it was it was only me i was the one who was like you know like chatting her up shit like that and that was it. It was just you know flirting with her in public. Other people saw you. The word got yeah. back to the to the okay. I thought that she said something to them. Oh, so I like was like, what you know, what the fuck? Why'd you do that? Uh, and she said she didn't, and uh, that she wasn't. That's she wasn't even Muslim. She was Christian. So. Oh shit! So these so these guys weren't even related to her. They were just no. other Arab, Arabic just racist people, racist Arab dudes. Wow. Yeah. They saw it. They weren't. They weren't happy about it. Not having. That's it. some 1950 shit. And I've seen many, many white women in hijabs. Yeah. I've seen many white women oh, in yeah. hijabs. They don't have any problem converting converting uh, American women or, or European women. So the racism goes only one way. Yeah. Where Where's the left on that? Come on, guys. We need to be upset that Arab that Arab men in the 21st century won't allow a white a white guy of gentleman. To date their I was, women. I was not a gentleman back then. Well, you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it is... It, Anybody with this stupid. color skin, Kyle, yep. fuck off. He was pointing at his giant bicep. Mm, sure he was. <laughs> God, man. That's interesting. Yeah? Because they totally get away with that. 
No, no. And this, the, the environment and the culture, the way it is right now, they could totally get away with that kind of racism. No problem. For that to be a white guy saying that to like a black guy, oh, you my. have to go back to like the, the fucking thirties or something, oh, you yeah. know, for yeah. it to be, it wouldn't fly today. Man. No, fuck no. You'd yeah. be in trouble for breaking the rules of professional conduct or something. Something. You'd be blacklisted. Blacklisted. Mm, see, I can't even say that. It's probably racist. All right, Kyle, <laughs> what did you think of the Baha'i episode? What are your thoughts? Where, where does your mind go? Let's, let's talk about it. Okay, well, I have notes. Oh, shit. Okay. Not a ton of notes, but... Uh, so one thing about the podcast, it's like you do these <clears throat> podcasts that are like two hours fucking long, <laughs> and they're very... Um, intellectually dense mm, you know yeah so a lot of time i'm listening to them while i'm working and i like try to remember things or i try to jot down notes uh but i don't get them all you know so some I of it start throwing more at you yeah some you know. of well you know i hit pause yeah. so i can um I, I thought one thing you said that was interesting um and one thing that you didn't mention the the name for people who practice the religion do yeah. you know what it is um well they talk they called themselves bayan or something bayan? like that yeah all right, that's cool. Well, what do they call themselves? Is there I don't one? know. I, oh, don't, yeah. I, was, I was just well in those letters. In the letters from the prophet, he when he addressed the people, he said, "You know, O Bayan, B A Y A N." Thought it was the Baha man. <laughs> the Baha man. <laughs> that's what they call themselves. What did they sing? What did the Baha men sing? Who let the dogs out, dude? Oh, who let the dogs out, yeah, man? Culture, <laughs> American culture. You're on the Two Tongues podcast. But one thing that I... Shout out to American culture. One thing you said that I thought was interesting is you said that Christianity had legs back in the day because Jesus was a martyr. Yes. Yeah, I like that. I thought that was interesting. That Okay, let's talk about that. I mean, I mean, well, my point was basically if you, if you took... You could say something crazy like this, that dude is God, or he could say, "Look, I'm I'm God on Earth, and I'm here for this and that." You, you know, a crazy person could say that. There's no risk to them to say that. But when you aren't crazy and you say, "I I, be, I believe in this crazy thing so much that to prove it to you, I'm willing to lay down my life voluntarily," people are like, "What?" Mm -hmm. It reminds me of those Buddhist monks that were protesting communist China that set themselves on fire. Do you, mm. you know that? You've seen that? Yeah, yeah. Those motherfuckers sat in the street meditating with their legs crossed, set the, put accelerant all over their body, set themselves on fire and burned to death to protest. If you could do something like that, I'm interested in Buddhism. I want to know what the fuck is up there, right? Sure. So I think that's, I think that's what proves it enough to people that they, can, that they cannot write that person off as completely nuts. Something like that. Yeah. I like it. I uh, I feel like I feel like maybe uh, people who are not into the way things are going, you know. I feel like maybe we need a martyr. Ooh, that's a really dark thing to say. But, I know, but it's not. Oh, I don't want to say it's not wrong, but the sentiment is not wrong. Yeah, it's like uh, you're right. If you if if you had, ooh man, like I'm trying to. Like specific examples are starting to creep in my head that are bothersome, but it's like you you could have a public a, a large scale public gesture that boils down to a well known well liked figure in disgrace or death or something that that reveals you know the impact of the the 
absolute worst negative impact of the type of culture that we've that we're seeing emerge and really shine the light on it at the spotlight on it and show the world like you can't you can't avoid it because it's everywhere i just don't know what that example would be and it kind of scares me to think about what might who that might be and how that might go down yeah it's definitely a scary thought uh i think one thing that is also scary is that you could have it now and the propaganda machine is so oh. strong that they would make it seem like this person was a great... Like, Dude. I th- what are the chances that, like, David Koresh was kind of a martyr, you know? Like, I mean... David Koresh was kind of a martyr. Yeah. Dude, that's a good point. But, he, you know, we think of him as some crazy fucking cult leader. And I'm sure that he was, to so, you know, to some degree, mm. a crazy cult leader. Mm. But I still think he was a martyr. He was a martyr. That's an interesting point. And <clears throat> and it happened at a time when the media was, well, the media was every bit as powerful as it is today because there was only a handful of outlets at the time mm-hmm. and they and everyone trusted them. So maybe even worse than, than it yeah. is today. And they said he was crazy. So the world agreed he was crazy. But you know what, man? In like the Jesus days, the word of mouth, who tells that story? It was It was coming from the believers more than it was coming from the critics. Like the people in society that were concerned about the Jesus movement after he was dead, you know, like a couple of a couple of weeks later after they were done telling stories about the crucifixion and and the craziness, they the the people who didn't care would stop talking about it. Yeah. And the people who continued to tell the story would be John, Luke, Peter, those, yeah. you know, those people. So the story that gets pushed off into the future is the is the story coming from the true believers. The enthusiasm and the, you know, starry-eyed believers, you know, that stuff's catchy. People, that's what catches on, man. Yeah. But today, who who drives that message? Not the true believers, you know. Yeah. The, the, media, the media controls that message. And you ever think, I mean, the media definitely controls the message, but if you think about, like, people, I'm not talking about media people. I'm talking about just normal people, your neighbors, you know. Um, I feel like, although I don't know, as I'm saying this, I'm thinking maybe it's not really true, but I feel like people who buy the narrative push the narrative a lot more than people who don't buy the narrative push against the narrative. Yeah, that that definitely seems true. But I'm wondering why. Like, I'm wondering if that's not part of just part of the culture today. Like, was it always that way? Mm-hmm. That you like you read something in the Wall Street Journal in, in the 1950s? You're like, that's a solid. That's a fact. Were people pushing the facts back then? Were they were they an echo chamber? I guess they were, man. I guess they fucking were. They would have all been saying the same thing then, just like they're saying the same thing now. Yeah, I think maybe it was even worse back then, like Might you said, because what was there it? were there was less information coming out. There were fewer information outlets. Period. Mm. Um, so they had more control. Mm. Now it's like they're they're starting to lose control. It's like they got this can of worms, and the worms are slipping out. Mm. You know, and I do. I kind of want to side with where I think you would go on that and, and say that I like it. Oh, yeah. Like, I like that chaos there a little bit, um, especially because I completely have lost faith in, like, I don't even know if I can use the word truth and mean anything. But, like, I've lost the, the notion that there's credibility <coughs> or, or truth coming from the news. Yeah. And it's really frightening to say that. Um 
and I forgot where I was going with that, but it's the first time in my life. And I wonder <clears throat> if it's always been like this. Like, I wonder if it was like this for my parents when we were kids and they were watching the co- the coverage of the, you know, uh, the desert storm or whatever it was. Yeah. You know, was it, was it all propaganda and nonsense then too? Probably, man. I don't know. It's really depressing. I think that back then, and who knows, you know, I was a fucking kid and, and, or not existing. Um, but I think back then more people did just like accept the narrative, you know, I think, and I think, I mean, I think you had crazy, well, crazy people, you know what I mean? Like conspiracy theorist type people mm-hmm. who back then probably seemed crazy, who were saying shit like, um, you know, Vietnam is based on a lie, mm-hmm. you know, those sort of things. Um, yeah. Do you think conspiracy theories, <laughs> I was just thinking like what, what they were in 1950, cause yeah. they, they existed. Oh yeah. But do you think just like everything gets artistically way more complex as time goes on that even conspiracy theorists yeah. it's just like music it used to be simple now it can be compl- anything anything you can imagine sure do conspiracy theories also get like that because there's a lot of them and they're off the wall today but like if we went if we could put ourselves back in the 1950s world and figure out what the conspiracy theories were that were that were credible or were being tossed talked about mm-hmm. which is probably harder to do back then you could find those inner circles if we would consider those conspiracy theories to be like puppy dogs and nonsense compared to today's conspiracy theories well i think about um like mccarthy you know and i bet you that kind of fed a lot of people's conspiracies you know what i mean oh man there was probably lots of different conspiracy theories circling around mccarthyism at the time yeah every time somebody knew in hollywood got thrown in jail or questioned by congress or whatever it was they were like oh you know I can't even think of an actor from the era, so I'm blanking, but you know Ronald what I mean. Ronald Reagan. <laughs> okay, Ronald Reagan. All right, sorry. Back to Baha'i. Um, where did we leave off? I don't know. Um, uh, just Jesus. Martyrs. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, martyrs for sure. There's something to that. Yeah. You got anything else on it? I'm just wondering where you go. No, I mean, that's really all I, I mean, you know. Oh, okay, like well. I said, I think, I think I, we could use a martyr. <laughs> All right, so for those of you who didn't listen to the episode on the Baha'i religion, what, how about this, Kyle? you have any kind of summary that, that you would, if you were trying to, if somebody on the street asked you, what do you know about it, what, you know, what's the, the gist? Just that it's like um, a religion. Uh, see, I didn't know much about it. I mean, I knew like that it was a, a, a religion that recognized the prophets of other religions. <laughs> right. you know? I knew yeah. that. That was pretty much all I knew about it. Um, and that it was like about unity, like unifying. Mm. That's pretty, pretty much all I know. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It reminds me of like those universalist Christian churches in the United States that are like super duper liberal and want to, you know, they say things that no other church says, like it's okay to be gay and it's, you know, you, you, you know, you can still go to heaven and we don't have any problem with you being a woman or gay or whatever. If you want to be a preacher, that's fine. In our, you can be a, you can be a, that level of our ministry where other Christian churches would never, never allow it. And you know, that's the kind of gist you get. It's like, we, we love you regardless of your race and your background and you know, your hangups, whatever you're welcome. It's like the super liberal church. That's what this Baha'i stuff reminds me of in Islam. It's like, it's like somebody somebody's going to make a little niche in Islamic culture for the most liberal uh, ideas to have a place mm-hmm. to sit there and and until they have an opportunity to to burst out and, and take over the culture. Um, but what's interesting is it goes back to like the 1800s 
And I don't know what the Muslim world was like in the 1800s. I, I assume that was like a colonial time. You know, maybe that was still a lot of European powers over there, you know, taken over. Honestly, don't know. I didn't do that part of the historical research, but I should have. Um, but, uh, but, but that seems, it seems interesting to me that it happens then. You know, it's like, and there was a lot of those religious leaders. Like, I, I bring up Joseph Smith in that episode who founded Mormonism. He, he existed right at the same time as the guy that founded this religion. And he's not the only one. You know, we, we talk about other, other uh, movements <coughs> at that same time. Um, but in a nutshell, you know, Kyle's right. The, the religion is one that's basically accepting of people regardless of what your faith is. And they try to make that part of their religion by saying that every prophet who ever existed whether we're talking about Buddha or Muhammad or Jesus, um, they were all part of a uh, series of um, prophets that are all from God and all teaching the same message and guiding humanity in the same direction. And that's cool. It's a cool idea, you know? Uh, Kind of, in my mind, it's a little... um, Okay, you know how there... There was Captain America, and there was Spider-Man, and there was Iron Man. Yep. And then there was the Avengers, where they brought all of those people together. Yes. That's what it seems like. It seems goofy <laughs> on some oh, level. Oh, yeah. I like that. I mean, it's funny. Yeah. Because because what you're right. Baha'i just gathers up the Justice League of, of prophets exactly. and says, our religion's is the best because we... Because <laughs> we got the fucking Hulk, dude. <laughs> By our powers combined. We are Baha'i. Exactly. Um, yeah, so so I get that. Um, that's pretty cool. But you're right. I mean, there's reason why Buddhists and, and, uh, and Muslims don't get along in the parts of the world where they interact. There's a reason why Muslims and Christians don't get along in the part of the world where they interact. It's because there's legitimate reasons why, why their doctrine separates them and puts them at odds. Mm-hmm. Then you have a religion that comes up and says, not really. Uh, all those things you think are, are at odds, they're, they're not. We can all get along, and this here's how. That's kind of presumptive, but in a way that I like. Sure. Like It's like, get over your, get over your shit, guys, and everyone get along. You know, It seems like really well intended to me. Is it weird that there's a part of me that, like, you know, I think the biggest part of me wants that, too. It wants everyone to get along. But there's there's definitely a part of me that's like, no, you should believe what you believe and hold strong convictions and um, not change those for stupid shit, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, and it also occurs to me that unity of that level it eliminates diversity. Yeah. So you have this... You have this goal of unity, which is a very liberal thing to say. Mm-hmm. And if you achieve that goal, what you end up with is everybody the same. Yeah. And you, you've removed all the diversity that you pretend to value. And that the religion doesn't, this religion never addresses that, never tackles that idea. And that's interesting in the, just in the context of the world we're in right now. Yeah. Uh, I know at the end of the podcast, you were talking about how, you know, it's like, uh, it, What's the what am I trying to say? Like this ideal that it um it like promises or yeah. it says is possible, you know, uh, or that is even like desired that we should be working towards that. Um, it's amazing. A, a lot of the times that all that kind of stuff when you say it, it seems really nice and it seems like a great idea, uh, but then when you start peeling back how you would do that and how you would achieve that state. It's all very 
it's just not as happy a picture as it was before you started doing oh, yeah. that. You know? Yeah. Yep. Always, whether Always. it's with like the religion or communism. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yeah, not man. Good. Not good. Um, so you know the thing that I thought was in, so, the thing that I thought was most interesting about getting into that religion is you you heard me say in the beginning when I'm talking about uh, the their found the, the founder the the Bab mm-hmm. when I'm talking about the Bab is I'm like really skeptical of, of him specifically because he seems like a Joseph Smith character to me he seems like a guy that maybe had an interest in religion had a big heart uh, was a spiritual guy was a, a loving guy and had these grand ideas about what was possible for the human species and the human spirit and and he took advantage of i guess his his ego and his and his good intentions to to propose a, ch- a change of the religion that he thought was going to be better and it reminds me of like a politician like a, a really good natured politician who's convinced this is going to be good for you know everyone and then mm. and then stops at nothing you know what i mean stops at nothing to push that through even when people start raising objections Mm -hmm. and nobody nobody the the bab never he never saw perspective so when his ego started getting out of control and he started talking about himself like he was god in a way that seemed to me really like it's weird because I talk about myself as God, so it's a weird. I know, it's I have a, that written down. <laughs> that's a weird thing to say, but he does. He does it in a way that's exclusive, and it's like egotistical, and it's um, it it just it strikes me in a weird way, in an uncomfortable way. Um, so basically, the, the religion is founded by a guy that I'm very skeptical of yeah. at all, and then the guy who shows up to be the prophet who was promised, uh, he seems to be opportunistic also to me but he but he also has a lot of practical ideas he's the guy that says here here are the 10 commandments for the new religion and he sit guys he's sitting in the middle of the muslim world in iran in the shia muslim world and he says women are allowed to get divorced and um you know are are equal are, are equal to men and we can't have slaves anymore and we're not allowed to kill at all not for jihad not for war we're not allowed to kill at all you know, he starts saying shit like that that w- w- was rocking the boat everywhere, and uh, and if and in the eighteen hundreds, mm-hmm. you know, you say some shit like that today in the wrong parts of the world, in the wrong parts of the Muslim world, you won't survive very long, you know. For sure. So I don't know, man. What do you got? Um, I do. I I think. They probably didn't pronounce it the Bab. <laughs> That's one thing that I was kept thinking. I'm probably the Bob. I don't know. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I, I wasn't sure, man. Bob, Bab, the Bab. How would you pronounce B A B? I guess it just depends on where you're from. <clears throat> we should have just called him the Gate because that's what the Bab means. The oh, Gate. Yeah. I do think it was funny at one point you said, I mean no disrespect, but these gurus are all hucksters. <laughs> uh, so, so, all right. So what I was talking about there is, and I know so little about Indian culture that I'm like really walking on a fine line here, but it's like in India, it's a very poor country. And, and there are people who, who travel around from village to village that are holy people. And I'm not saying that they're not legitimate holy people. But they'll call themselves gurus, and they'll collect followers, and people will feed them. Like, you can imagine in the Middle Ages, you'd have, like, monastic religious groups who were fed 
the people would just give food to them, and it was part of alms. Like we're gonna we're gonna feed the holy people, and that's what happens in India today. These gurus are going around. They have no job. Their job is to be holy people, and they're they're surviving on the goodwill of strangers, and it's part of the religion, and it's beautiful. I'm not knocking it. All I'm saying is that there there are people who realize, oh, I don't have to work or starve. I can just pretend to be a holy person, and that's what I mean when I say there are hucksters out there. Yeah. <clears throat> I just I just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, no disrespect, but they're all hucksters. That, was, that one made me laugh out loud. Uh, hold on, before we go on, just to make a, a more relevant comparison for the audience, just think about any legitimate preacher you've ever seen good-heartedly preaching the Word of God with good intentions and well wishes for all of the people. And then think about, contrast that to one of those televangelists oh, yeah. uh, on TV talking to no one, you know, getting checks from old people, you know, trying to convince them the end is near. Those kind of motherfuckers driving their, you know, the Lamborghinis. Lamborghini driving <laughs> pastors. Oh, man. I told you, we had a pastor when I was a kid who always drove a Cadillac. He was a sharp-dressed dude, too. I'm not saying pastor, anything. Pastor P? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was a good guy. Um, <clears throat> he made a good living preaching, though, it seemed like. He also sold real estate, so. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I don't, I'm pretty sure preachers don't pay taxes on their income, so. One more reasons to be a preacher. I, I used to want to be a preacher when I was a kid. I never wanted to, yeah. um, but I've I've considered it more of late than ever before. <laughs> start a, a religion? No way. Um, what else you got on Baha'i? I just think that it's. Uh, I mean, there are definitely things about it. Like I said, I think it's kind of goofy. I think it's kind of like a. Like the Avengers of religion, but uh, I do like about it. I feel like one thing that I try to do, if somebody believes something like intently and like seriously, you know, they don't, it's not a joke to them. They really believe something. Uh, I just try to give them like the most generous interpretation of it as, as I possibly can. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, which is not always how I've been. Um, but it's like, I don't know. I just try not to, think that people are dumb you know um yeah like there must be they must be convinced there must they, they must have encountered a good enough reason for them even if they can't articulate it to me exactly i'm going to give you the benefit That's of the, the doubt. important part is that they they might not be able to tell me why they believe it but they do and that's fine i don't know um and i feel like this this religion kind of encourages that yeah yeah there's a lot about the religion that i like um i i think my verdict on it is that it's made up, but the point that the point that I make at the end of that episode is that maybe all religions are kind of made up, and maybe that's doesn't undermine it at all. And there's and there's you know I don't know if you remember the way I ended that podcast. I was like you know it's not it's not exactly a burning bush, but maybe it is <laughs> you know. And so that, that there's a there's a connection between the inventions of fantasy and like the deepest notions of, of God to me. So there's a connection, even if, even if it's made up and maybe, you know, maybe there's something more to be explored there. That was kind of where I was leaving that one. Got it. Um, I'm curious what, what else you have to say, but I, I want to get into the new world order stuff, but keep going. Yeah, no, that was uh, I think I have that somewhere in here. Um, I just thought that, you know, they say the guy you mentioned earlier that you say things about you being God all the time, but the difference is that you do also talk about how everything is God. Right. 
Um, so it's like, it's okay to say that I am God as long as I understand that you are God too. Yeah, like the way it just occurred to me in my head to say is the fact that I'm God is the most, um, it's the most ununique thing about about anything. It's the most ubiquitous thing about everything. If, when I say I am God, that's like the most of course statement. Everything is God. Mm-hmm. It's like, it doesn't make me special at all. To say that I'm God doesn't distinguish me from anything. It makes me the same as everything in, in my way of thinking. But the, but the Bab and the Baha'u'llah, to them, being the prophet makes them special. It makes them separate from everyone else. Being yeah. God makes them separate from everyone else. Mm-hmm. Where I'm saying, no, it makes you the same as everyone else. Yeah. That kind of thing. Got it. Um, I was going to say something else, but now I can't remember what it is. Oh, I'll move on to the next one. Uh, how do you say the other guy's name? Baha'u'llah. That guy. Uh, he said to find a trade and get good at it. Yes. Uh, that reminded me of Jordan Peterson. <laughs> it reminded me of like clean your room type of thing. Yeah, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So. That's, that's rule 13, Jordan. No, I'm just, it's only 12 rules for life, so that's rule 13. Oh, I got it. We're going to append Jordan Peterson's list. Well, there are 12 more rules. Oh, yeah. Did you read that? I I did, yeah. Yeah, I figured you did. My wife got it for me right away when it came out. Um, And those books are great. They're not my favorite Jordan Peterson, by the way. Yeah. His most popular books, those 12 rules for life and 12 more more rules for life, Mm -hmm. if you ask me for a reading recommendation, I wouldn't give them to you. I mean, they're fine. They're fine books. They're fine. But his lectures are way better. And, and his and Maps of Meaning is way better. Yeah. So Sorry, that's a tangent. No, that's good. <clears throat> um, so, you know how they believe that they are God and that sets them apart? Yep. Do the followers believe that? Or do the fo- have the followers kind of adopted, uh, like, the more, like, how we are going about it? See, that's the interesting thing is when the, these prophets say that we are the manifestations of God. Now, it's different if you look in Islam where they say that they're messengers of God. Or or it's it's, it's when they say manifestations of God, what what they mean is like something like God on earth, and that's very much like what Jesus said, you know? It's way more like what a Christian would say than any other religion when they say their prophets are manifestations of God. And what what baffles me about Christians and about Baha'i people who both have that sort of belief is that if you if you believe that it's possible for God to be manifest on earth, to be made material, and to be here and now, if that's possible, then how how is that manifestation any different than anything else that's already here? You mm-hmm. and me and the cosmos. How is it any different? What are we manifestations of? If a prophet is a manifestation of God, what are we manifestations of? That's mm-hmm. that's the question I'm asking. And, and the Christians never seem to go there. And the Baha'i followers never seem to go there. They're like, okay, Jesus was God. End of story. And the Baha'i people say, the prophets are God. End of story. Nobody asks, well, if this guy gets to be God, what does that mean about me and you and everybody else? Are we God too? How many Baha men are there in the world? <laughs> That's many? what I want to know. Yippee-i-o. <laughs> <laughs> but, re- but really, like, how many people are there who practice um, this? I think they said, this was one of the major world religions. I think they yeah. said there were 5 million followers. Holy shit, that's a lot of people. But, but, so then you might ask why. Like, why are there so many followers? And part of it is that there's a great appeal for people, you know, 
for pe- good-hearted people all over the world that just want to get along and just want people to be able to believe what they want and and all that. There's a religion already here for you that says you can you can do that. Yeah. You, you know, one of their tenets is basically this. It's like most religions say you should do some good works, you know. Uh, you, you know, you should be good. You should do good works. What the Baha'i religion says is that the best work you can do is to is to um, unify people from other religions. Do business with them. You know, have them over for dinner. Be friends with them. Yeah. You know, p- incorporate them into your culture. That they think if you do that sort of work, it's the it's more valuable than anything else you could possibly do in your life. And like you're getting heaven points for that. And yeah. they're in their religion. That's beautiful, man. So if you're one of those people that wishes that that could happen, th- this religion <laughs> this religion is going to have a great attraction. So you can see why other people might want to join the religion who doesn't. If I'm a Muslim and this religion sh- developed in Iran where everyone's Muslim. If I'm a Muslim and I'm being told I have to hate apostates and anybody who's not who doesn't believe in Muhammad, and I'm a kind person, I don't want to fucking do that. Then this religion pops up that says, "Hey, we believe in Muhammad too, and you don't have to hate anybody. You can love them." Oh yeah, man. There's going to be some followers. There's going to be some followers. It's yeah. going to have some appeal. But on top of that, they promise all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah. I don't want to like what kind of crazy shit. I don't want to step like too too far ahead, but they they say that. That when the end of times comes, and that's something that the Islam, uh, Islamic religion believes the same as Christians believe, or is similar, um, that when the end times come, we're going to know it because the humanity is going, to, is going to be one religion, and we're going to have one language, oh. and we're going, to, um, we're going to dismantle all of the governments that's, that divide us. Getting to that new world order shit. <laughs> and that it also promises moral and intellectual development that's unprecedented. So the human species is going to develop into something it's never been before. And Yeah, I remember you talking about this. That now. that's way more um promising and it's way more like likely from a practical perspective than to say um something like what a Christian might say that that the rapture the rapture is going to come that you know yeah. the world is going to be destroyed and reborn and yeah. you know what I mean it's yeah. it's, it's way They're further kind of saying the Baha men are kind of saying um, things are going to continue as they are. We're going to evolve like we've been evolving. Yes. You know? And they specifically say that they're overturning the rules that, that prevent religious people from adopting science. So you don't have to burn books anymore. And you can adopt any science that you want and explore any science you want if it will benefit you and your people. And so... Coming in from the 1800s, right, when the Industrial Revolution was getting going, when technology was changing the Western world like crazy and the, and the Muslim world was missing out and the conservative religious people were not letting that shit happen, this, these people were saying, bring in the fucking steam engines. Let's fucking learn about chemi- chem- uh, chemistry. Let's make some shit over here. Hell yeah. And he says everybody should work and get good at their skill. And if they do, they could consider that to be like worship. Like yeah, yeah. you're doing something for God by getting good at a task. And benefiting your people. That's like capitalism. That's the spirit of capitalism. It's beautiful, man. Hell yeah. And you know what you know what they did to the to the Bab for that? Crucified him. They fucking they they, th- they threw him in prison, they persecuted him, they chased him all over the place. And uh, the the Baha'i Baha followers today, the Bayan, are still to this day a minority group in the, that part of the world that are persecuted. They're not allowed, they're not allowed to participate in culture fully. 
uh, they took in Iran, they took the other religion box off of all of their like, you know, government stuff. So the people, when they're filling out their paperwork, don't even have a religion to check for themselves. Yeah. You know, it's, it's awful. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting. You were talking about how I can't remember which one it was, but one of them was saying that, uh, you shouldn't try to assess religion with science, like current sciences. Yep. Um, and he, you said that he was calling for some sort of a separation between science and faith. Yes. Um, I also think that as much as he was calling for a separation, he was saying, you're never going to understand faith with trying to weigh it. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. I thought that I liked that. I like that part. There's a lot of shit about it. I like, man. Yeah. Um, Oh, so about the, about the one world language that it promises. Yep. When I was doing the uh, episode, it, I couldn't remember the name of the language, but have you ever heard of Esperanza? Yes. So Yeah, so I think it was developed, I didn't look it up, I think it was developed in the 70s, but there's a reli- uh, language called Esperanza that was developed to be the, reli- the well, religion, the language that everybody would learn to speak so that it wouldn't matter where you lived in the world. As long as you spoke Esperanza, we could all communicate with each other. And that was like, they were pushing it for a while. And it's funny because that was the 1970s. I'm pretty sure. And Baha'i religion goes back to the 18, 1840s or whatever it was. And they were talking about the emergence of a one world language then. And it's just funny to see it actually attempts at it are actually happening, you know? And I mentioned in the podcast that English isn't far from it. You know, English is spoken almost everywhere now. Yeah, true. The lingua franca. Mm-hmm. <coughs> um, who knows how long that'll keep up, though. The what? only other note I have is New World Order, but I kind of talked about what I thought about it already. Well, so th- well, you know what? There's some other things that come about. So when you have like the most conspiracy theory type people, political type people today, and you're talking to them about their worst fears, they'll bring up stuff about a new world order. They're going to talk about George Soros and the currency. They're going to talk about, you know, collusion in the UN. And uh, they're going to talk about all kinds of stuff about how the, the, the highest and the most elite and the most wealthy people are a cabal of secret, you know, the ruling class that, you know, does everything in the shadows and pulls all the strings behind the scenes. And, um, that, that one day all of the governments of the world are going to basically collapse strategically into this one new world order. And that's going to come along with perhaps a single currency. And, you know, there was talk about, there was, interesting conspiracy theory about this um, not not even that long ago uh, at the height of the euro you know before brexit when uh, when uh, the last time oil prices were getting out of control and they were talking about maybe taking uh, oil trading oil off of the US dollar and instead putting it on the euro there was some thought like you have the entire all these countries in Europe unified under one currency that potentially that could that could become you know, the entire Eastern Hemisphere could be using the euro, and then the whole world could be using the euro. And then the powers that are pulling the strings control the currency for the whole planet. And there's that kind of conspiracy theory. Yep. Um, what, what do you have on that? Anything? I don't like it. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you've heard it. You've heard it, you yeah, know, yeah. in all sorts of different ways. Well, the Baha'i religion talks about stuff in the 1800s that sound a lot like this stuff that I just talked about. Yeah, fuck that. Fuck fuck the Baha men. No, <laughs> I, I take it all back. <laughs> but he does say something about government that was interesting. He said, he, one of the promises is that in, in, the, in the end of time, that uh, 
that no one person will be comfortable bearing the burden of government so that you won't have any dictators, you won't have any monarchs, you won't have any emperors, you won't have any Caesars. It doesn't say you won't have any government, but it, it does say you're not going to have a one-leader government. Yeah. So maybe that means a community-style government, some kind of new fancy type <coughs> of democracy, but maybe it means a representative government, maybe it means something like we have today. Um, I don't know. Um, but it reminds me of something else that's interesting, and I've talked about this before, but I don't think on the podcast uh, the Georgia Guidestones. Oh, yeah, those things are weird. Yeah, I'm going to pull this up here. Somebody defaced them recently. Oh, yeah. Um, go ahead and go ahead and talk about what you know about the Georgia Guidestones while I pull up what's on them. I know that they're these large uh, obelisk-type stones that are erected somewhere in Georgia, and nobody knows who put them up. They're a mystery, which that alone is crazy. Absolutely. I mean, they're not that old either. It's not like these are. Um, it's not like these are from thousands of years ago. These are like nineteen eighty. Yeah, and so, somehow they they erected these fucking tab these giant tablets. How did nobody see it happen? So th- so this is very interesting. All right, I want I want to just tell the audience. Um, I found out about the Georgia Guidestones from an episode of a History Channel show that Brad Metzler d- uh, did called Decoded. And Brad Metzler is an author, and he writes really interesting fiction uh, that are all about historical mysteries, and they're really great. I think it's Meltzer. Meltzer, whatever it is. I love that. I love that dude. This show in its day was great. I I tried to rewatch it not long ago. Doesn't hold up. It it doesn't hold up. Uh, It doesn't hold up. So I'm not necessarily telling you to go watch the Georgia Guidestone episode of Decoded, but... Look into them. But look into them. So he says in the episode that... Again, the, the Kyle's completely right. It's a completely empty, middle-of-nowhere place in Georgia that all of a sudden one day someone noticed had these giant granite monu- monuments sticking out of the horizon, you know? Uh, when the decoded team dug into it, they found that there's all there was all kinds of efforts that were <clears throat> taken to hide the um, who funded it. So all of the purchase orders are under fake names and shell companies. Wow. Nobody knows who paid for it. Nobody nobody knows who hired the contractors. It's a complete mystery who did it. And nobody there was no fanfare. Nobody said it. It was just a surprise. It was like you remember when in the the news not long ago where there was the like that pillar in the desert and somebody fa- saw like on a satellite picture and it was like it ended up being an art oh yeah an art yeah, installation I do that. Yeah. and it popped up in several places in yeah. the middle of nowhere. That's what this is like, and it's made of granite, so it's like the hard the hardest stone on earth. It's going to last forever. It's going to be there when you know as long as Stonehenge is going to be there, and it's in the middle of nowhere. And what does it say? It's some creepy shit. Let me read it. Let me read it. Georgia Guidestones, by the way, have the same rules written in a whole bunch of different languages. It's probably going to tell me here what languages I'll tell you. Here's the inscriptions. It's in English, Spanish, Swahili, Hindi, Hebrew, Arabic, Chinese, and Russian. Although I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I remember it was in um it was in um cuneiform. It was in also in cuneiform, which is that ancient Mesopotamian language. And here's that article about it being defaced. But here, guys, this is what it says. It has ten rules, like ten commandments, carved in stone. <laughs> they read like this. Maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. 
Mm. Guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. I mean, it's like it's like one of those ones where it seems like good advice, you know, but right. then you're like, okay, but what do you mean by that? Exactly. And how are you going to how are you yeah. going to implement that? And who has to die? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unite humanity with a living new language. Rule passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. But what does he mean by fair and just? And who gets to say? Let all nations rule internally uh, resolving external disputes in a world court. A world court. Avoid petty laws and useless officials. There, we can get down with yeah, that. Yeah, I, I like that Okay, one. number seven. We got <laughs> number seven. Hash, shout out number seven. <laughs> uh, balance personal rights with social duties. Nah. Yeah, I don't know. What are you trying to say? All right, prize truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. So to go back to number eight, balance personal rights with social duties, that yeah. reminds me a lot of these people who are like, oh, you don't have a right to spread COVID. You know, when yeah. they're telling you that you need to get the shot and yeah, shit like that's, that. That's, that's a great point. Uh, it's like, it's fuck your social duties. Yeah, but that doesn't it kind of like, immediate, doesn't it contradict number seven, avoid petty laws? Yeah, yeah, that it does, absolutely. Get your shit together, Georgia Guidestone. But I do like I do like the last two, uh, prize, truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. That's yeah, a very that's mystic thing. And then be not a cancer on the earth, leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. So obviously, there's a little bit of a, a little bit of a, um, uh, Greenpeace sort of vibe going on at the end. I hate the Georgia Guidestones. <laughs> I think that they're stupid. I like the idea of them, but I don't like any of this bullshit. No. Um, no. I mean, just look at number one. Yeah. Just yeah. Let, that's let, creepy let, as fuck. Let's dude. not. Let's not read anything past number one. What's the world population right now? It's almost. What, it's seven billion people. Is that what it is? I think it might be more than that. Yeah, but it's, they say it's going to max out at around nine billion. Yeah, and number one says maintain humanity under five hundred million in perpetual balance with nature. Why? Well, it presumes that five hundred million is the right number of people. How did how how who makes that decision? And how did you get to that number? First yeah, of all, and how the fuck do you get to be in that five hundred million? You know, like if the people who if the people who believe this Georgia Guidestone stuff took over the world somehow tomorrow like what are the what's what's the filtering process to see who's the 500 million and who's the you know yeah suppose there's seven billion people on the earth right now we'd have to kill six and a half billion of them to leave the right number of people on the earth um how do we how do we get to, yeah. how do we choose which what's get that it che- what's and, that checklist look like yeah yeah so then now, now we have to start talking hierarchy and something tells me the people who wrote the georgia guidestones aren't going to be able to to deal with that uh hierarchy conversation that's an i i wonder if it's ever going to come out who put them up i don't know man but i i thought it was really interesting the secret the, the secretivity around it and the the subject matter and everything but I agree with you, man. I think whoever did this um, thinks they're smarter than they are and um, doesn't realize how irresponsible it is to mm-hmm. suggest that you should keep humanity under 500 million or that you should Im- constantly improve the fitness and diversity of the species <laughs> or whatever. I just think that, like, we have 7 billion people here now. And, I mean, things aren't perfect, but, I mean, are things really that bad 
with 7 billion people that we need to get rid of 6.5 mm. billion of them? Like, that's just like, what is so wrong? You know, like... I, I, well, can you can you imagine, like, I something... Like, I just imagine if you had 500 million people strategically, you said, this, we, this is the number of people we have to work with. You would pepper them around the globe and the places where it's best for human beings to live, like the right kind of climates and all that kind of thing. You would, strategically, that's what you would do. Then how would you, so everybody would have the most amount of freedom and land and, and you know, whatever, uh, resources. Um, where was I going with this? I don't know. Oh, how would you do, how would you accomplish everything that we accomplish that, that we rely on? Like all of the trade and all of oh, the, yeah. you know, um, getting goods from here, all the logistics and all of the, you know, innovation and all that stuff. Can you imagine innovation, innovation alone? Oh, exactly, 100%. And I think that a lot of these people are afraid that we're going to like max out what we have and we're, we're going to collapse due to it. I don't necessarily believe that, though. I think more human innovation will make it to where we're going to be okay, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, 500 years from now, who knows what's going to be going on? You know, who knows what things we will have created to be self-sufficient mm -hmm. on this planet, you know? I, I, I agree, man. I think more and more as I get older, I believe that there, that there is nothing that you can't accomplish that you put your mind to. And when it's 8 billion minds, it's you know, minds. Um, I, don't think there's, I don't think there's anything that's impossible. And some people would say that you could do that you could play that game where we continue to use resources you know and the and you know the 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 way that we are and we're being irresponsible with the planet and all that sort of thing and we're always relying on the fact that we're going to be able to innovate our way out of it just like the government's always uh relying on the fact that we can grow our way out of debt yeah, right? right we can just we can just expand the economy until we don't until our debt's not a big deal anymore and they're always relying on that um when you only have 500 million people in the world and you don't have the innovation anymore because you don't have that many minds to work with anymore. Um, you know, you may not be able to innovate out of that, that situation, but you know what, man, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic with the human race as far as that goes. Me too. Uh, which is weird because there's definitely a part of me that like, I, I'm like, I think human beings will innovate and we'll be fine, but there's a part of me that doesn't want to innovate. There's a part of me that wants to like revert back to a way that we used to live, mm. you know? Yep. That does, that desire has been strong in me for a long time at this point. Um, but what do you mean by that? Because like, I, listen, man, I don't work a physical job, mm -hmm. and there are times where I get to be uh, working physically, mindlessly, and it's meditative and it feels great, and I just wonder, like, man, if I just lived a simpler life, uh, might I have this sort of peace and this sort of satisfaction um, and wouldn't need as much uh, so I get you, you know, I assume that's kind of what you have in mind. Yep. Kind of. Um, but I wonder if everybody, if everybody lived that way. Yeah. I don't want it for everyone. <laughs> okay. That, I def, that's for sure. I, I think a lot of people don't want that and yeah, right. You know, that's fine, but I want it. Mm. I kind of want it too, man. I kind of yeah, want, want some chickens and some goats and oh, yeah. a big ass yard. I told, I told my wife, I said, uh, like, I don't know what we'll do when we retire, but I kind of want to have something to do. Like I, like I said, you know, maybe we could have like a little hole in the wall bar or, cool. or I was like, maybe we could have like a, 
maybe we can have like a cool little like like place where we make cheese and it's like a it's like a wine bar and people can come to to our dungeon where we have the cheese aging and drink the wine and eat our cheese and it's That'd our cheese sweet, and then it would be you know it, it might just be like something that might would be kind of artistic and, and as we get older we just pay someone to do the work and we just oh, yeah. hang around and like talk to the people and stuff well why was i telling you this story i don't know but i love that it's just an idea it's just I an idea that, man. man i don't really have any i never made cheese before but it sounds like you know you could learn fucking a <laughs> I would eat some cheese. I would make some cheese with you. It's just going to be me and Kyle in the basement with a sign out. Podcasting and making <laughs> cheese. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, man. What else, man? Uh, what was your take on the Bab and Baha'u'llah in terms... Because I asked the question many times. Is, is, are these David, David Koresh, Heaven's Gate type, type people, or are they do, or are they legit in some way? You know, are these are these I, hucksters or are they good intended? What did you What did you think? I think that David Koresh was legit. <laughs> um, what if he was, man? Uh, what if he was, dude? I mean, what do we know about David Koresh? Okay, mm-hmm. he was selling guns. That's awesome. Uh, he he played guitar. He was a long haired, cool motherfucker. Wasn't he banging all the all the women? Yeah, the and cult? we. Uh, Supposedly he was also banging some children, so that's not. Oh, great. that's no, it's not great. It's that's not good at all, man. But, but <laughs> otherwise, he was pretty fucking cool. Um, and also, I'm not 100 percent sure that I that it, that fucking kids thing is true. I mean, oh, I see what you mean. You yeah. know, uh, these people like to smear people like that. Well, the the government did kill innocent people oh, in that situation. What, like what, brutally, what, wouldn't you want to paint them up as bad as you can to make the the media think that you had to, to do what you had to do. Yeah. Exactly, man. God. See, I don't think that way, but I'm glad that I have you on the podcast for yeah. exactly that kind of thing, man. Yeah. God. May, I, sometimes I think I think that way too much, but well, I don't know. That's why I'm sitting here. Yeah, exactly. I'm the like perpetually naive optimist. <laughs> it's starting to get worn out of me in, in my old age, and I was talking to my mom on the phone the other day. Uh, I can't remember. This was a little while ago. And she just said something about like, like I just didn't. She didn't sound like she could hear the spirit in my voice anymore. Like I just, she, I just sounded like I had lost whatever it was that my enthusiasm, my spirit. You know, it, it was just my voice was shallow and hollow, and you know, whatever, man. Tell I, her to listen to the podcast. Yeah, she. Uh, yeah, that's what you, you still hear it there for sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. I don't know, man. Life grinds you down, though. That's it for does, sure. It does grind you down, but you can't let it can't let it get rid of that spark entirely got to figure out how to keep it going true um one thing that i was thinking about so right now i work in the garage door industry okay and do you know how garage doors work um you know about the springs and shit oh well i've seen them i've seen up above your door yep yep. uh there's gonna be some springs and if you can see the springs they're called torsion springs yep i can see mine yeah and if you're if you can't see them, if they're hidden in a tube, they're called torque springs, okay. torque master springs. Um, and right now, you know, just due to all the supply chain issues, um, so it, in, a, in those springs, the kind that you have, the torsion springs, mm. there are these metal things that go in the end of them. One of, they're called cones. One of them is called a dead end cone, and they like join the two springs together. You are learning some shit over there, and man. And the other ones are called the winding springs because you take those springs and you wind them, yep. and that's where you get that that help to open your door. So that's it's interesting. Not, it's not super heavy. The, the springs do a lot of the work that's for you. That's interesting. 
Uh, it's really hard to get the springs those. do a lot of the work, even though it's even though it's using a motor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Because that motor would still have to pick up the 150 pound door. You and somehow know? that spring makes spring. It, like, yeah. I mean, you take that. You take the spring and you like wind it so yeah. you, it's got all this tension on it. So it's like helping uh, to lift it. It's all ready to fucking help. Yeah. Gotcha. So. We can't get those cones. They're really hard to come by now because of the supply chain issues. Mm. And I just can't help but think that, like, this is maybe how the Dark Age started. You know, like, when Rome started pulling out of places, oh, it's like, no, we can't get those things anymore. The people who made them, they left, you know. Um, and then, like, eventually, people forget how to make them. and Like, everyone forgets how to make them. People forget, even if we had them, the application for them in the first place. Then eventually, like, I just imagine people's garage doors you just drive by people's houses and like all the garage doors are broke you know nobody nobody fixes garage doors anymore and that's just like one industry you know what i mean yeah that's a really that's a really good point man like that supply chain is just gonna dry things up slowly mm. as you were saying that i'm thinking to myself like who survives and how in that slow drip or slow drying up situation i'm like the amish yeah, but also everyone in Cuba who's been fixing mm-hmm. who's been fixing mechanical shit, reusing it since the 1950s, and uh, hillbillies everywhere. Yep, hillbillies, scrap, scrappy hillbilly motherfuckers yep. are going to be driving around Mad Max style. We're all all of all of our all of us are going to be walking with with book bags on and picnic baskets with all of our belongings. They're just going to be they're just gonna, <laughs> they're just going to be driving by on their moped that's running on moonshine, just smiling. Yeah, I do. Th- I, I I think that that's creepy, man. You know this this supply chain stuff is fucked up. It's weird. It is. Um, I don't know. It's it, just it, it's it re- scary. It reveals the dangers of an, a global economy. Yep. And that scares people, and it makes conservative people say things like, "We should just make everything here. Why Why don't we make anything here anymore?" Yep. And it's not a it's not an empty argument. It's not a bad argument at all, really. The problem is something I talked about on this last solo podcast I did, economies of scale. It's if we're making, you know, medicine here and clothes here and they're still making it in Nicaragua. If I go to the the T-shirt store and there's a Nicaraguan shirt for 20 cents and an American shirt for $4.50, I'm going to still buy the Nicaraguan shirt. So, you know, there's always an incentive for specialization and for people to do what they can do the, the most efficiently. Um, why am I giving you an economics lesson? What were we talking about? I don't know. I like it though. Mm. Um, we were talking about like oh, supply chain and whether you know, we should be making into the everything dark here. Yeah, yeah. So, but but you can see it. I mean, you can definitely see it. It's like if we were making everything here and things got fucked in Europe or in Asia and we didn't have access to China, we didn't have access to oil from the Middle East. Let's say if that happened today. We would be so fucked. We would be so fucked for like 50 years until we figured out the infrastructure to, to get it going here. And it would be hard for people in ways you can't, you can't imagine. Yeah. Meanwhile, everybody in, in Eastern Europe is like, we've been living like this for 100 years. Yeah. What, what are you complaining about? Yeah. Um, I hope we don't go into a dark age. That would suck, dude. Mm. Well, it would suck. Although, uh, have you heard about people t- who say the dark age is uh, like a misleading way of talking about it, that mm. there were like great things that were going on. Right. Yeah, I have. Um, but just, it's like a, uh, a Roman centric way of thinking about it. Mm. Well, that, that, yeah, that, 
and uh, religion. You know, it's like um, the part the parts of the uh, history of Europe that were dominated by religion were oppressive. And you know, it's like you can have a Galileo, but if the church doesn't let him doesn't let him release anything to the public, you know what? We're not changing the culture. Yeah. And so I point that out only because liberalism has become and not liberalism because I don't even want to use that word. This this wokeism and progressivism have become a religion, and it's dominating the culture and it's stifling the culture. You can see that by you know people getting deplatformed and censored. It's stifling the culture. Mm-hmm. And it's not the Catholic Church anymore. It's the Church of Progressive Wokeism, and what you're describing is you know the dark ages that's what we're on the on, on the precipice of yeah and it's be- great... go ahead yeah no, no no i was just gonna say I, I, that's a great way of thinking about yeah, it and i wanted you to say it in the microphone it's a great way of thinking yeah, about it chris has a great idea on the <laughs> air <laughs> um yeah i don't know okay so i've got some more stuff unless you have nope. anything else all right nope. let me uh, let me circle back here i'm gonna i might take you on a hip on a hippy dippy route but not a not too much of one um all right I want I want to tell you how I want to do this. Let me just let me try it this way. Have you ever no had a psychedelic experience that so impressed you that you wanted to have one again? Uh, we want to recreate that experience you had. Yeah. Yes, I think anybody, almost anybody who's done enough psychedelics to have had a mystic experience or something like that would agree that if you have an experience like that, that's mind blowing and interesting. There's something in you that wants to chasing that dragon, wants to chase the dragon. You got it. You got it. So the reason I bring that up is because I felt this before I felt this way before. And it usually goes something like this. It's like the experience of having a, having a, like a, a psychedelic or a mystic experience coming on. And it's building, it's building, it's building. And you've had that, you've had that breakthrough experience before. (coughs) So you're waiting for it. You can, you can feel it. It's close. You know, it's coming and it doesn't come. And it feels like you're getting closer and closer to this epiphany. Like when you're trying to think of a word and you're, and it's like you, you can tell you're getting closer. You're not sure what's going on in your, in your unconscious mind, but the, the cogs are turning and clicking and you're getting closer. You're like, there, it's almost there. I'm, 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 it's right on the tip of my tongue. And then you fucking can't think of it. That's the experience. Or, <coughs> or to put it more viscerally, imagine you're having sex and things are going well. And you are so close, you're almost there, and something happens, and you can't. You ha- the doorbell rings or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the kind of thing I'm talking about um, with that sort of mystic experience. And I've put myself in this situation where I notice that I'm doing things that don't make any sense, that are, are not rationally related to the experience that I think I'm, getting, I'm trying to have, like where, I'm, where I am. Or, you know, uh, <laughs> like I, I have a spot I want to go to. I want to get under the blankets. I want to have my certain things nearby. Oh, it's yeah. Like, it's like I'm recreating the conditions yeah. that I was in the last time. And then I notice that's what I'm doing. And I'm like, you idiot. Like, what about, what about you having all of, things, all of these things just so m- makes you think that you're going to have the same experience? Mm-hmm. And it makes me think of like people with OCD, you know? People that want to have things just a certain way, yeah. you know, or 
turn the turn the door handle just a certain number of times. Yeah. The reason I put it that way is because it's like what people do with religious rituals. It's like they recreate, like when think about when we do communion or something. We're symbolically recreating the death and resurrection of Jesus, and that's what we're doing when we take communion. I mean, we're eating a cracker, you know, we're drinking some juice. But no, we're doing something else. We're through the forces of transubstantiation. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so we're engaging in cannibalism. Ritual, ritual cannibalism. Oh, yeah. uh, but but hey, that, I'm down, dude. Ritual. Ca- <laughs> I said ritual. All right, go ahead. Anyway, um, I just noticed that that what I was trying to do was duplicate a pattern, and I'm and I was doing some un- unusual things. The kind of things that you do if you're a sports fan. Oh yeah, like wearing wearing your socks. Like your, like your lucky socks. Oh, you got to make sure you got on the right thing, and you do all the rituals, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, and and that's what you're doing, man. You're you're trying to recreate the conditions or duplicate the pattern that's going to get you the thing that you think is going to get you the thing that you that you associate with those patterns. It's weird, man. Yeah. But it's related. It's related to religion and religious rituals. As a guy who doesn't really watch sports. I yep. think that I need to find some areas in my life that I can have those kind of rituals for. Well, let me let me bring one up because this right. this is kind of where I'm getting. So there's a ritual called sacrifice, right? So you can think about I have to like kill someone that I love. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, you could you could think about like the Maya, the Aztecs, or whatever. You know, they're like like human sacrifices and killing people and pulling their hearts out and throwing their heads down the steps, like like apocalypto. Metal. <laughs> Fucking metal, dude. You can, you can think about that kind of sacrifice, but you can think about like what they did in like the Bible, where they're you know killing goats and they're pouring the blood around the altar. And also the, metal, <laughs> <laughs> or they're or burnt offerings. So it's like you're burning the animal, and the fragrance goes up to heaven. They were metal as fuck back then. Metal dude. as fuck, yeah, Damn. <laughs> for sure. But they literally believed burnt offerings, whether it was meat or not. They believed that the smoke went up, 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 and what that did was it took the essence of the sacrifice up to the gods. And that's that's how sacrifice in that way was seen to actually be giving the gods something. Mm. You know, it's the smoke and the smell and all that. So I've been thinking about this idea of sacrifice because it's one of those things where it's like, a, it's one of those things that we are, we, we are duplicating a pattern. We're like wearing our, we're wearing our game day socks anytime we're sacrificing because we think that by sacrificing we're something it will magically let us get something that we want and so if i'm a if i'm an ancient person and it hasn't rained and the crops are failing and i'm sacrificing animals and it's not working and i'm sacrificing crops and it's not working i'm starting to look at kids i'm starting to look at people and i'm like i got to make a different kind of sacrifice to make this work and there's this idea that if you just find the right thing to sacrifice, then the gods will give you what you want. Yeah, you'll have satisfied them. Yes. And I got like goosebumps, the hair sticking up on my arms right now <laughs> as I'm telling the story because all that's terrible. And the idea of like killing a human being in that way seems so meaningless and st- stupid and cruel and terrible to me. But... It's not wrong at all that all you have to do is find the right thing to sacrifice to get what you want, and you can have anything you want. That is a truism. And so that's what I want to talk to you about, man. And I'll, I'll tell you what I, what I mean. Um, 
so COVID has been rough with me. My weight's been going up and down a little bit, and uh, I, I keep trying and getting disciplined, and then I keep losing faith and fucking off. And it, round and round I go, and it's disappointing. And it's because I've been really enjoying beer during this COVID period. I've, I've, a, I've grown to like certain things, and I, you know, like... Like what kind of things? Like there's certain beers that I want, you know? Yeah, like what? Like, um, you know, I like a good... First of all, I, I have a pronounced favor for draft beer over bottled or canned beer that yep. I didn't used to have. And now I'm like, Oh, I get it. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, I really like, um, Hefeweizens. Fuck yeah. Um, I really like Amber ales. Yeah. Um, you know, like a nice red ale. Um, so I, I have favorites now and, uh, and I've been drinking a lot of Christmas beers lately cause they're out. They shouldn't be out, but they're out. I've been drinking a lot of those. It's November. Um, that kind of thing. Anyway, um, so this is what's happening, man. I'm like sacrificing things. Remember when you and I were talking about uh, fasting and doing that crazy fasting? That was me sacrificing children. What I I, want to say to you is I thought, and it didn't really 100% come to make sense to me until recently, that if I I just made a bigger sacrifice, if I just didn't eat for two days at a time, I could drink beer every third day as much as I wanted. And so... So for me, it was like, look, I'm not sacrificing the thing I need to sacrifice because I want to drink that fucking beer. I'm going to, I'm going to pretend like my sacrifices are good enough. And I'm going to even go out of my way to, to, to make these big grand gestures. And the universe is like, pay attention. You're still fat, dude. You know, you're not making the right sacrifices. Yeah. And it's like, it's obvious. The universe. You're not fat. Well, you know what I mean. I have, I have, a, I have a goal and I'm not, I'm not getting there. Sure. So the universe is telling me these is, this is the wrong sacrifice. The proof is in the pudding. I'm not making progress, but I'm just continuing to bang my head against the wall. And I'm just making that connection to how, how if I were to only make the right sacrifice and say, look, do the hard thing, man. Like you always say, stop drinking the beer. That's the pleasure you have to get rid of. Let that go. And then you're going to have what you want. Then you're going to be able to make progress. Just do what you need to do. And the universe is telling me that. So that's, to me, that's like God telling me that. And it's right in my face, obvious, this is the right sacrifice. And I'm pretending like I don't notice it. And I'm, last night, drinking Christmas beers. Oh, I'll have a bourbon at the restaurant. You know what I mean? I had a bourbon last night. It was delicious, man. Oh, yeah, dude. Um, Not a huge fan of the bourbon, but it's all right. It's a... But yeah. So what 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 do you th- what do you think about this idea of sacrifice and recreating those patterns and what I'm talking about in terms of real life shit? When you were initially talking about the sacrifice before you got into like your part of it, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking all of like the burning a goat that doesn't seem I mean I don't, I don't really know what that's going to get you, you know. Right. Um but sacrificing the right thing yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It's 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 a uh, logical, right? Imagine you were that you were that Mayan city whose crops had failed for the tenth season, and the people were starving and dying and disease left and right, and you're sacrificing babies by the dozen because you're you're desperate to to get the rain to come, and all you have to do is sacrifice the right thing, which is pick up and go somewhere else. Just sac, just figure out that this is not where you need to be right now. The universe keeps telling you that. God, God keeps killing your crops, dude. Sacrifice the place where you are and all of your traditions and all of your comfort and get up and go somewhere green, dude. And that's what God was telling the Aztecs. And those motherfuckers just starved to death. 
you know? Um, yeah. I just think that that applies to everybody and everyone listening here. If you, if you, if you apply that to your life, you'll, there's some shit there that's worthwhile. You just, it's figuring out the right thing to sacrifice. Yes. That's the hard part. Being honest Although, with yourself is important because it's really not that hard. Generally, it's the, hard, not. the hard part is being honest with yourself. Be, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. That's why I like having you around, man. Yeah. Yeah. Because you do that to me sometimes when I, when I, not, not that you mean to, or not that you're being mean, but sometimes you call me on my shit yeah. where, when I'm just happy to just be in my little fucking world. I appreciate that. Appreciate that about Thanks, you, man. man. I, uh, I don't know. I, I think I, I've just seen so many people not, you know, like people who just never think about the things that they're doing that are like logically inconsistent. Mm. Um, and I mean, I think I lived a, a huge part of my life like that. Just not really, mm. not really like considering, um, just like my behavior. I don't know. Yeah, man. I don't know. <laughs> Getting deep here on the two tongues podcast. Oh, silence uh, my phone. Hold on. You bastard. Um, you got anything else? I do. I do have something else. Did I? Did we already talk about that really interesting thing that I? I, I know I maybe I mentioned it to you, but I don't know if I did on the podcast about uh, when you walk into a room and you can't remember why you walked in. Oh yeah, uh, you didn't. Talk, but I go ahead. Oh okay. So I heard this and I can't even remember where anymore. But I wrote it down. It says that there's a circuit in the brain that we have in common with uh, animals way down way down the phylogenetic chain, like rep- reptiles. You know, there's certain parts of our brain that we have in common with animals that are that far back in our uh, evolutionary history. And there's something that happens in our brain when you walk into a room and you can't remember why you went in there. That they know this pattern that happens in your brain when you've forgotten why you went into a room is the same pattern that happens in reptiles when they go into a new space. So they have a light detection device. It's their pineal gland in the middle of their head, right? If If they go into a place that's darker... Um, it there's a sense that tells them that it's like a it's like an ESP kind of thing. They have an extra sense that tells them they've gone into a new environment, and <coughs> and so what happens to the the reptile when that happens is they have to reassess the risks. So their brain shuts everything down except for the risk detection circuits. They're like, I'm in a new place. I have to stop and pay attention. Is there anything here that I need to be worried about? And that's triggered by the change of light. And that's the same exact thing that happens to you and me when we walk into a new room and we go, why the fuck did I come in here? Because your brain shut down and said, what are the threats? You're in a new space. Oh, Isn't that fucking nuts? It's pretty crazy, yeah. Now, that's a great story. I love it. And I want to know how we know that and if it's true. Because people, scientists can just say that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. You know? It's called appeal to authority. We talked about that. I talked about that in that one episode. You know, a scientist can say something like that, and we're all like, oh, that seems reasonable, and you're an expert, so it must be true. Scientists and people who are in the science world get away with that kind of shit so often. Um, like, And there are things that I think are, like, cool ideas, um, but I just don't, like, I don't know what you're... I just don't know what the... The actual data is that mm. you're basing this on. It's like I've heard people say that uh, the reason we like popping packaging bubbles yeah. is because of like uh, like grooming, you know, like monkeys grooming each other, mm. like killing fleas. It's logical. And, Makes yeah. sense. But but it doesn't mean it's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But the, the, the example that I brought up, I think it's, again, pattern of electrical activity in the brain, in the same part of the brain that matches what happens in reptiles sure, in that situation. Yeah, that's, so that's good. maybe that's proof. Maybe it's not. But it's interesting. Yeah. It is interesting. I do. I wonder if these lizards and reptiles, they have this third eye and it tells them, it like senses light. What the fuck do their eyes do? Well, I mean, they, they detect light as well, but they also see more. That third eye is only detecting light. So I don't know, man. I would imagine that you might dedicate a part of your brain that understands the light's changed and just let those connections to the pineal gland do that work so your eyes can do all the other stuff. They can be freed up to just see what's there. Okay. But I don't know, man. This is me just bullshitting and sounding trying like... Trying to think like a snake. I'm convincing. I'm just convincing you. Yeah. I'm manipulating you. Jake the Snake Roberts. Jake the Snake. Shout out to Jake the Snake. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, all right. I've got uh, I got two more on the list. Um, unless you... No. I was I always feel like I'm interrupting. No, no, man. All right. I don't I, I talked about everything I had. This is about not the Baja the, man. The Baja man. That's pretty funny, man. <laughs> uh this was not a really well thought out idea, but okay. I, I was just thinking about this. I was thinking about when the government changes the religion from the top down, like a state religion that just like changes. Nero. Like what happened in uh the Roman Empire, exactly when it when it changed to Christianity with Constantine. Oh yeah, yeah, Constantine. Constantine. Right, right. That was an example. Nero. But also, but also, when the Eastern Roman Empire went from Christianity to Islam, because oh, yeah. that happened. That was Turkey. Mm-hmm. What religion dominates Turkey? Islam. So we had instances in his in history where where for for reasons that were not connected to the people at all, right? The government, the, the government just changed the religion. It's just like it's crazy. Everyone here, you're a Christian, you know, not anymore. Like mm-hmm. that's, you know what I mean? Or it's you're crazy. a pagan, not anymore. Now you're a Christian. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about what you think about that, just from your political perspective. But I also want to ask, um, what's the next one? If the government were to change the religion in the United States, let's say, and we have a new state religion. What's the next one likely to be? I mean, we know what it is. It's not a secret. <laughs> what is it? It's progressivism. It's, oh, it's, you know. I thought you were going to say Baha. Baha, Baha <laughs> man. We're all going to be Baha, man. Um, no, but yeah, I mean. Yeah, that makes more sense. I was going to I was gonna say something a little bit more conspiratorial, but yours, yours is way better. Mine was, what's the religious group that has the most ties to the government? The black Hebrew is really that black Hebrew Israelites. I don't even know anything about that. Is that a real thing? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, oh man. But they're not. I mean, no, I'm just thinking about, you should look them up. They're funny. I'm thinking about Scientology. Ooh. I'm thinking about somebody who's buying up real estate, funding campaigns, getting buddy, buddy with media and uh, celebrity people yeah. and getting dirt on them all. Manipulative. Machiavellian. Machiavellian. Yeah. So, so can you imagine? Can you imagine this crazy future um, day when the state religions religions just says the United States is no longer a Christian country? We we no longer believe that's the case. Um, instead, we're we're a Scientology country, and that means a couple things. It means L. Ron Hubbard. It means freedom, and it means California. It's California. I don't know. What are the new slogans under, under a Scientologist regime? 
It's a good question. What I mean, it, it would probably be some fucking crazy nonsense, like is in those all those, those brochures, I mean, just so crazy, just rambling bullshit. What would the what would the as Jordan Peterson would say? What would the grand unifying narrative be of a United States under a progressive religion? So, because right now it's freedom, equality for all, the land of the free, the home of the brave. You know, pick yourself up by your boots, bootstraps, opportunity. That's the kind of way we look at the United States today. Uh, what would that be under the progressive uh, religion? Equity. Equity. God. You know, um, equality, equity. So for anybody out there who thinks that that sounds good and it's worth pursuing, I just want to point out to you the slippery slope that we, we tried to do a couple times in this episode already is who gets to define what equity is. What is the definition of equity? And, yeah. and what domains are we concerned about? You know? Exactly. It's like the Georgia Guidestones. It's like, you, you know, um, we all deserve to be treated equally. It's like, okay, what the fuck does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. It is an infinite invitation for somebody to tell you what to do. Yep. And to, like, limit you from being able to do certain things because other people can't do right. those it's, things. It creates opportunity for an infinite number of rules to restrict Just, you. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yep. And it all sounds good. You know? Yeah. Yeah, if you're a fucking idiot. All right, I got my last one here. Uh, that didn't go as far as I was hoping it would, but <laughs> here we go. Here's the last one. Oh, this is connected to the episode I did that you haven't listened to about sort of about sexism. So I did an episode, my last solo one, which was basically me dealing with um, the people in my family getting older and dying, uh, dying off, and. Uh, the women in my family in particular who have always been so important with like the family and what happens and uh, the holidays and the, the, everything yep. and how that it's a change of guard happening and how, oh, yeah. and how things change and it being weird and then how we treat our, our old people. You know, I don't like, I don't like it at all how our culture so, treats yeah, our old sucks. people. Um, and so this, this is a spinoff of that. So I'm talking about in that episode about a, co- a conversation in college with an English class with a bunch of people, including a bunch of girls my age, and we were talking about gender roles. Like, what, sh- what should women do? And is there such a thing as a women, woman's job or a woman's responsibility? You know, let's, like that kind of a conversation. And as you can imagine, they were all very um, upset about that, but not to the degree that they would be today, obviously. I, I wasn't, like, kicked out of school or anything, but we, we, had, we had a conversation about it. thing is, transgenderism didn't exist back then. That was the early 2000s. It wasn't a thing. So here's my question. Do you think there's a connection between how the society has devalued traditional women's roles? Like, it's not valuable to, to know how to cook and to deal with a household and to, and to give birth and to raise children and to teach them. And that stuff's not valuable anymore. Really, what you want is to be a CEO. Yeah. Really, really, what you want is to make, have a big paycheck. Yeah. You know, and, and if you don't have kids at all, that's fine. You know, what, that's just what you really want, right? So that's how that conversation went in class is the girls were like offended. Why should I be uh, condemned to all this, quote, women work? So, fuck, I hate it so much. Like, right. I don't want it because it's bad. Who told you it was bad? Yeah, exactly. Um, I just, if you want to go be a CEO, you want to be a powerful lawyer, go do that. That's fine. I don't care. I don't want to prevent you from doing that. But I think the fact that these people who want to do those things um, 
I think it's fucked up that they feel the need to like shit on the people who don't choose to do that. Right. Uh, right. I think that that's a really weird. Uh, I don't know. Just it is weird. It's like way to operate. It's like you're forcing the standards to change. You're forcing that on people. Mm-hmm. Like the young kids now have to believe that these quote traditional women's roles aren't valuable anymore, and in fact they're demeaning to you. Like the fact that you should have to go have to go home and raise kids. God forbid you should have to raise kids. No, you, you're gonna waste your life raising kids. You get the opportunity to raise kids. Exactly. I mean. I don't know. Maybe maybe that sounds sexist on my part, but that's how I feel. I think you feel that way for the same reason. For the same reason, because because there's like some shame that comes from the culture that tells you you should feel bad about saying that. Yeah, I don't really. <laughs> I know, I know, but but I wonder who decided that those that those traditional women's roles were no longer going to be considered valuable anymore, and who started pushing it out to all of us. Do you remember? We did, a, I think it was the second episode we ever did, we talked about Murray Rothbard. Yep. And we talked about, one of the things he said in there was how like philosophers and intellectuals become important to the state. And it's that they shape ideas. And the, like, the general public, the you know average Joe, does not form his own opinions. He consumes opinions and mm-hmm. regurgitates them. Absolutely. So um, I think that a lot of this, like who, you know, who proposed that these traditional women's gender roles are bad, it's philosophers, it's intellectual people. Mm. Um, and they, yep. the, the re- their reasons for doing it are to benefit, I don't know, the status quo. Mm. Um, the, the people who are buttering their bread. Yeah, interesting. I can I wonder how much of that comes from postmodernism. Especially because of timing. You know, when we started seeing that sort of thing happening um, you know, in public schools, let's say. It's interesting. Uh that's interesting. Um well, I I I think getting women into the workforce also I mean, you know, this is, I guess, vaguely conspiratorial, but it, like, doubles the tax revenue, too. Mm, That's true. That's interesting. And it also chips away at the family unit. It makes it more dependent on Big Brother. That's interesting, too. I don't know if it's intentional, but it could be. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess maybe... I don't know. I try not to be, like convinced of anything yeah. you know even if i do kind of believe it mm-hmm. but um I, I don't know if it's not if if they weren't intentionally trying to chip away at the family unit by doing these things um if they what am i trying to say if they're not they're doing a great job of it on accident on you know? accident yeah 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 so True. I don't know. So here, here's what I find interesting about this. I, I'm glad that you agree with me. You're on the same page with me that there's a mystery there um, between how important and significant women's traditional women's roles have been. Um, our opinion of the women in our lives that that have done that, you know, very very high, and um, the culture at the same time saying that those that those roles aren't valuable and that women shouldn't shouldn't want them and should and in fact they should be insulted by the presumption. What the fuck are we gonna do? Hold on, hold on. Yeah, let me, I'm sorry. Let me, let, me finish, let me finish this. So there's this idea that's a mystery that I'm not sure what happened or where, where it's coming from. And 
what it does is it makes women want to be more like men in those ways. And we saw how that played out in the culture, um, you know, and there are ways, uh, you know, I can't, um, I'm just thinking of pop, like Beyonce pop songs to come to mind, but, uh, but there are ways in the culture that that has changed uh, our lives. But this is, this is what comes to my mind. Is the rise of the transgender movement, I don't know if you want to call it that, is the rise of the phenomenon of this transgendered uh, I- I- identification phenomenon, is that connected to the idea like this? If I'm a girl and the culture has told me that all the things that I'm biologically, you know, um, predetermined to, to want, I have, I have uh, instincts towards, let's say. Yeah. If, if the world is telling me that they're bad and I feel like I shouldn't want to be a woman, is there a, is there a, is there a connection there? And it goes a step further because if you fast forward to more modern times, we're starting to hear the same stuff about men right? Yeah. Toxic masculinity. Oh yeah. Right. You can't roughhouse anymore. You're being disruptive. It's a, you know, it's a microaggression. So now boys can't even be boys anymore. The way that girls weren't allowed to be girls anymore when we were growing up. And if I'm a boy and I'm told that all of my instincts that tell me to be aggressive and to have energy and to be a boy are bad, that maybe I don't want to be a boy. Maybe I want to be a, a girl. Yeah. Do, do you think that that is part of the rise of this transgendered phenomenon, that the culture is telling children that they cannot value the things that they are? That's interesting. Uh, I definitely... It seems like some kind of social... Uh, yeah, like some kind of social conditioning, uh, almost in a way, you know? It does. It's like we, it's like society is a biological creature and the evolution of it is something that we have all control over. It's not natural selection. It's just human whim and we can just take it whatever direction we want. And I don't know if anybody's driving the car, but nobody's fucking paying attention to the traffic laws. I can tell you that, Kyle. Yeah, that's true. For Christ's sake. Yeah. I like that. It's just, that's just where my mind went, man. Yeah. Good places. Um, so, you you got anything else? Um, we talked about sacrifice. I don't think I have anything really substantial. No. You got anything unsubstantial? Uh, you put me on the spot. Do you have anything? I was just gonna ask you how you felt about the podcast with my brother and my mom. Oh, 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 yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I listened to it. I liked it. I was disappointed that I really couldn't be a part of it. Yeah. Not like. Not in, so much in the beginning, like when you guys were talking about politics in the beginning, although there was some interesting stuff that was said then too. Sure. In particular, when, uh, when, you, when you asked your mom, well, isn't Trump just part of the political establishment? And she said no. And it was interesting to me that her perspective was that by voting for Trump, she was voting for somebody who, who wasn't a politician, that wasn't part of the problem, that was somebody completely outside of that uh, process. There might have been some questions we could have dug deeper on there. I don't know if it would have went anywhere. Yeah, I didn't have distracted e- pretty easily. Yeah, in that. yeah. yeah. So th- I didn't really want to dig in too much on the politics. But when you when you asked your mom about the art on the wall, yeah, and then you started talking about the stuff I say about religion, then I kind of like I would I would have wanted to ask your mom questions because I know that I would have wanted to ask my mom questions because she would have reacted. I think just like your mom did. Yeah, and your mom actually said 
something that was pretty insightful. She said, I don't understand it, so I, I immediately don't like it. And it's like, everybody feels that way, but most people don't notice it. Yeah. Most people don't notice that you're poo-pooing something because you're actually afraid or, you know, because you don't understand it. Um, you know, people do that all the time. If, 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 an idea, if an idea is presented, they don't understand, or a word is spoken whose definition they don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what I mean? Um, but your mom's like, look, I don't understand it. I don't, and so for, don't for, like that, for that reason, I don't like it. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I wanted to ask her, like, I would basically tell your mom, these are the, these are the symbols I see in the art behind me. This is what it seems like it's saying to me. And then if she sees it through my eyes and still thinks it's, it's nonsense, then that's fine. But I would like to know if she hears my perspective, if she's like, okay, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Or, or because I think it's beautiful. Yeah, I do too. I mean, it's Alex Gray, so it's definitely got its own, like, kind of intensity, you oh, know? Yeah. Um, unlike a lot of art that I've ever seen, Alex Gray's work just has a vibrant intensity. It, do, um, it does. It has something to do with the colors, for sure, but it also has to do with the symbols you know yeah. um but I, I think that they're beautiful too I, I i love alex gray's work this picture behind me is called dying and you guys can look this up alex gray dying but it's just a picture of a man or maybe a woman but it's a, a human laying down in bed and it, the person's dying his hands are folded up on his chest and you can, a lot of alex gray's work will show a, a, a human figure but it's like kind of see-through it's kind of translucent so you can see bones or veins sometimes through the through the face and that's what you're looking at it kind of looks like you're looking at a body and it kind of looks like you're looking at a ghost and it's laying there with its mouth open. It seems like it's just taken its last exhale. Like it's just exhaled its soul. And from its like pineal gland in the middle of its eyes is this wispy smoke that's coming up out of its forehead up into the heavens, just sort of uh, fading off, you know, into, into the cosmos. And it's, it's gorgeous. It reminds me of something we've talked about from the DMT experience, that foggy, misty, formless sort of thing that you see. Yep. It also might symbolize the soul being released from the body. But in, in addition to this, you've got this crazy geometric fractal pattern of eyes. And that's what's in Alex Gray's work always. Eyeballs that represent oh, yeah. consciousness. The I'm looking at tons of eyeballs the thing, right now. The thing that sees, whatever that is, is represented by eyeballs. Just the same way as it was in ancient Egypt with the Eye of Ra. And it's all over these pictures, and it's like the universe is watching. You know, mm -hmm. it's gorgeous. I love it. Yeah, it looks like a, it looks like a Tool album. Uh, you still need to watch uh, the. There are a couple Tool music videos that you need to watch. Yes, because I know. You would appreciate them. Um, just it's very. Uh, actually, I think Alex Gray may have been involved in the music videos. It's Ooh. that like. Well, Alex Grayish. He was definitely involved in the cover art. Yeah, one hundred percent. But yeah, uh, I guess we're we're gonna have have my mom back on again, so yep. you can talk to her about some stuff. Yep, I'll do the descriptions like I just tried to do. We'll see what she says, and then uh, and then the other thing she. She, you asked her. You were like, "What do you think? What do you think about Chris?" Always says he's God. What do you think about that? Yeah. And she was like, nah, "I don't know. <laughs> he's wrong. He's wrong." Yeah. But I wonder if your mom heard my 
in my description of what I mean by, by that, when I said earlier that being God is not what makes me special, it's what makes me the same as everything else. It's not, it's not, doesn't make me special. God, everything is God. Like if she heard me explain it that way, I wonder if she would change her tune. It's a good question. I wonder what it is about religious people that need their God to be separate from them. They need their God to be in the sky somewhere on a cloud. Like I, I wonder what that is. You know, it's a good question. I wonder if it's connected to the same reason why we need a leader. We need a president. You know, because we don't need a president. No, but we, but we always have one. So like there's always got to be a guy. Yeah, he, he shits his pants at the Vatican. <laughs> you uh, hear about that? Um, no, is that a, is that a, is that a real thing? I mean, it's just like a rumor, but oh. it seems like it may. It seems like it might be something that happened that mm. he he shit his pants while he was at the Vatican. Mm. That's the that's the kind of thing that people would jump on and make a story out of. And if the left did it, I would be like despicable. Don't yeah, yeah. don't don't fucking even talk about that. Why are you doing that? I think it's funny. <laughs> Um, but how, what you did you hear the thing I was talking about with my mom and my brother that let's go Brandon thing? Yeah, you know that. Well, I do now. I've I've become okay. for, I've become familiar, but I, it wasn't at the time. Okay, yeah. what do you think about that? Um, so what I recall from it was it beginning as a chant at like a at like a, a football fo- games. yeah like a sports yeah. game or something, and the one commentator caught on, you know. Let's go, Brandon, to try to brush it under the rug when he was saying "fuck Joe Biden," yeah. and um, uh, and then I heard what maybe it was this morning that they're talking about they're now talking about that perhaps being um, a threat, say, oh, yeah. say, saying that might be considered a threat to the president, which is of course a serious offense. Yeah. So if you say "let's go, Brandon," that that might that could the, that the fucking Secret Service might tackle you. That's hilarious. Or that you might you know somehow be punished. For. There's this um, place in, I think they do like, you know, automotive work, uh, in a, you know, it's like in the city over, and they have this, um, you know, what's the, not a billboard, but you know what I'm saying, like one of those boards that you you put the plastic letters in. That oh yeah, like, yeah, you know, uh, like a marquee type. Yeah, deal? exactly. Yeah. And uh, they always have like conservative shit right on it. They had "Let's Go Brandon" on there. <laughs> it's funny. Oh boy, um, I don't know how. Oh. What do you think about what do you think about Biden talking about giving four hundred fifty thousand dollars to immigrant families separated at the border? Um, I don't know, man. Like what? Like what justification? What justification could you possibly offer that that the world doesn't object to? And nobody's saying shit. I think I think on some level, people almost don't even take them seriously. Like they just. Why don't we give four hundred fifty thousand dollars to every adoptee? You know. Yeah. They were taken from their parents too the fuck man and at the same time creating this huge incentive for people who think they they, they could to get come, rich by coming here yeah exactly it's so fucking it's re- well i won't say that <laughs> uh, oh boy i mean i don't know man the world is crazy the world is crazy um we covered a lot today yeah we were kind of all over the place that's all right though I, I, it was fun i feel like there might be one or two more things i wanted to say but i just can't remember them so just think about it real quick. Um, we got what? What do we got coming up? That's a great question. Um, well, my 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 brother wants to come back on. Your mom wants to come back on. We're we gonna have my mom and your brother on the same podcast. I think it's worth a try. Okay. You know my bro- You know what? You know what my brother said. He said he thinks that he 
first of all, he agrees with your mom on a lot of the shit that she said, even the stuff that was a little bit out there. Yeah. And he was like, oh, like, like he was talking about how, like, Melissa knows what's up, kind of. That's how he was talking yeah, about yeah. her. But then he said, then he said that he could, that he, there's things he could say that he knows would set her going. And he was like, he just wants to press those buttons. He's like, just, <laughs> just bring me over here and let me just, let me press the buttons. That's so funny because he's right, probably. <laughs> I don't know what buttons he's trying to press, but he probably he's probably on to something. Well, he he said uh, that 9-11 was surely an inside job. And uh, I I think I I don't know how much pushback he'd get from her on that one. Well, yeah, that he doesn't expect pushback. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He and he agrees. He's like, I just want to get her going and talking about it. Do you not? I don't have any idea. I have never really evaluated it. Yeah. Um, I never considered the things that like. You would say like, um, like a false flag type thing. It, you know, might it have been a justification for what what we did, and we needed the trigger, and so we created the trigger. You know, that sort of a thing never would have occurred to me. But you say it, and I'm like, that's possible. That's I would not put it past. I would not put it past. Sure. But I've not, you know, as far as like the controlled demolition and like the, oh, yeah. I don't necessarily I don't know. believe that. I don't know, man. Um, yeah, I just I would say about nine eleven. I don't have strong opinions one way or the other, really. Like, it, you know, uh, to say that it definitely wasn't an inside job or some kind of, uh, you know, we knew what was going to happen and we let it happen. Uh, or maybe even we were involved in the, the planning of it, you know. Um, none of that would surprise me, you know. In, in 2002, it would have surprised me. Oh, sure. <clears throat> in 2010, it would have surprised me. Today, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And it's so sad. Yep. Let me ask you this question. When, I, when we were talking about the Baha'i stuff, and you heard how those people, that religion developed in Iran, um, and exists there, like that, that's where it exists, in Iran mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, does, it, does it strike you as weird that there are other groups within Islam that you never heard of because there is an argument could be made that this is a branch of Islam. Yeah. I don't think many Muslims would make that argument. No, I don't think so. But they also don't, don't call Sufis a legitimate Muslims either. And, uh, have you ever heard of Sufis? I have heard of Sufis. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, they're, they're mystic Muslims and they have, they've got some of the most interesting, uh, theological positions of the entire religion. Um, there, I mean, I just didn't realize that there were all these groups. Even the the group, the guy, the Sheikh Ahmed that I, I talked about in the episode, he was the guy that came before the Bab. Mm-hmm. That was like the reformer. He was the he was the guy that said came up in Iran and he said, "Hey, all the stuff that the Muslims believe about the uh, or we Muslims believe about the um, end of time and all that and the, and all that stuff, we're we're interpreting it wrong." He's like, "It actually means something like this." I don't know what his what his direction was, but he. He was brave enough to do that, and it was the it was the Bab who was kind of a follower of that offshoot. But I always thought about Muslims as being so strict that they weren't like allowed to have, to have divisions. They weren't allowed to have denominations. Yeah. And now I'm finding out that there's like Tons of more diversity than you think. Yeah, it surprised me, man. I mean, I the only reason I know that is because of listening to political things um, that a lot of. Um, the fighting that has gone on in the Middle East in history has been throughout the sects of Islam, you know, not necessarily that basically there's been a lot of violence there, you know, right. um, these, uh, these sects of Islam have been warring with each other for as long as they've been warring with anyone else, mm. basically. 
Yeah, it's interesting, man. In the first division, the Sunni Shia division, as far as I understand, just boils down to um, who su- succeeded Muhammad. Mm-hmm. You know, one group thought it was. Uh, I don't not, I don't even want to speak out of turn. I think it was. Point is, the two groups thought it should Some be Muslim different people. Fella. Yeah, two different people. Yeah. Um, but it's the but the divisions are deeper than that. Um, it's interesting, man. Yeah. All right, man. I guess that's it. I guess that's it. All right. Uh, I'm sure there's one thing I'm missing, but it's not coming to We're me. We're gonna do Josh and my mom next week. We'll talk about it. All right. I'm not making Just promises while hand, everyone's listening. Down. We'll hammer it out. I just, all right, <laughs> all right, <laughs> all right, you guys. Until until next time. Let your son amends. Well, there you have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know, it's not easy work. Thinking, it's hard and full of uncertainties. But I'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together. Here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze. See what I did there? Let's find out together in the next episode.